But Father, I just bring Letitia before you, and I just thank you for just the life that you've blessed us with, Lord, just in this community, Lord. Father, I pray that as she just imparts whatever you've spoken to her about, Lord, I just pray that as she imparts it, that we'll receive it, Lord. I pray that you'll bless in this time, Lord, and that you'll just, just speak through her, God. And thank you for her wisdom. And thank you for the anointing that you place on her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Stephen. I'm not going to hold you for that one. Um, good evening, everyone. I trust that you've had a wonderful day, and it's so lovely to have you here with us this evening. Could I ask a show of hands? Who is joining us here for the first time? If you could raise your hands. Okay. Okay, I see a couple of people put up their hands. Yes, let's give them a hand. So now I want you to be brave. And I want you to stand because I want the leaders in the room just to recognize the faces so that we can connect with you afterwards. So could you stand if you're here for the first time, please? Could you stand? Welcome. Welcome. Okay, leaders, do you see the faces? Good. You're welcome to sit down. And just to say we'd like to invite you for a cup of coffee or tea. After the service in our functions hall, if you don't know where that is, there's lots of people in the room that are willing to um, escort you or actually just to direct you to where that is. So please don't leave straight away if you need to, we understand. Um, but you can also quickly connect with Stephen at the host table. But we would love to really have a cup of coffee or tea with you after the service. Okay, time for the word. And just a huge thank you to the worship team. Um, a word that was felt before the service in the pre-service prayer was that of Martha and Mary and how Mary um, chose to sit at Jesus' feet. And tonight really felt like that in this time of worship. It, it was gentle. It was at the feet of Jesus. So thank you, Etienne and the worship team, and for all the words also shared. I think it, it just made a way for us to be in the presence of the Lord so as you may know, we are in the month of May, and we are busy with the One Tswane Initiative, where all the churches in the city are focused on the same um, topics of sermon, um, so that we can reach out to the city. And last week's um, sermon topic was um, One Heart for the City. One Heart for the City. And this morning when Pastor Louis shared, his message was around One Heart for the Lost. And so I'm sticking to that theme this evening and really trusting that the Lord would do something in our hearts as we engage with the word tonight and hear what he has to say. So I don't know about you, but I have had an incident where I've lost something and it has really, really made my heart beat. So last year, my family has this huge reunion where all the aunties and uncles and all the omas and opas and all of them get together and the grandchildren, and we got together at a botanical gardens um, somewhere in Joburg, and our whole family was there. And at the end of the day, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of the day, our little one decided she's going to play hide and seek on her own at the botanical gardens. Yella. <laughs> and so this little one went and found a tree, and she hid behind the tree, and mommy and daddy couldn't find her. And we didn't even know she was playing hide-and-seek. And so you can imagine what happened. <laughs> my whole family went on a search for my daughter. Went on a search, 
and my heart has never beat so fast in my chest in my life. <laughs> All I was praying was that we would find her. Little did I know, she's standing behind the tree watching everybody look for her and having a giggle, having a giggle. And can I tell you, it shocked her dad because one moment she was with him, the next moment she was gone. And I had just come back with the other little one from the bathroom. And so I go, where's my daughter? Where is she? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and he doesn't know, I don't know. And my family sees that I'm freaking out. And we all go on the search. And it was a tree close by. And she came out at the end. But I tell you, I have never, ever in my life been so frightened. <laughs> never in my life. So I want you to think, has there ever been a time where you have lost something, like of real value. Look, nothing comes close to my kids, so <laughs> that's of real value to me. But has there ever been a time where you had something so valuable, even if it was a relationship or a friendship, it can be in that category too. Has there ever been something in your life that you have lost and it has devastated you? Show of hands, anybody out there? Whoa. So when we talk about one heart for the lost, can I tell you, that experience that you had is the closest experience to what Jesus felt and God feels for the lost that is not part of the kingdom. Hey, can you think back to that time now? Now link it. So when the Lord reminded me of my daughter getting lost, well, not lost, actually intentionally hiding and seeking, and I almost lost it, he went, that's what I feel for every one of my children that are not part of my kingdom. It wakes you up. <laughs> it wakes you up. And so, as we talk about one heart for the lost tonight, my question is this. If we are supposed to have one heart for the lost, whose heart is it? Whose heart is it? Is it what we hear on a Sunday, or is it what we know God's heart is for the lost? And I think I'd like to break that down a little bit for you tonight. And uh, I think when we go one heart for the lost, it is not that we have our own um, expectation of reaching the world or our own ideas. It is actually us coming into alignment and into unity with the heart that's already there for the lost, and that is God's. So it's not complicated at all. It's not that you have to um, think up your own heart for the lost. It's that there's already a heart for the lost. That is God's. How do I align with that? I'd like you to turn with me to Ezekiel 34 verse 16, if you wouldn't mind. Ezekiel 34 verse 16, if you've got it on your devices, um, if you've got it in your hard copy Bibles, for those who are still using that. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. I'm reading from the message version. I hear the pages turning. Well done for those who have the hard copy Bibles here. I'm reading from the message version, and I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I'd like to go right to the end of verse 16, and it says the following. It says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. 
I myself will make sure they get plenty of rest. I'll go after the lost. I'll collect the strays. I'll doctor the injured. I'll build up the weak ones. And I'll oversee the strong ones so that they are not exploited. I'll read it again. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make sure they get plenty of rest. I'll go after the lost. I'll collect the strays. I'll doctor the injured. I'll build up the weak ones. And I'll oversee the strong ones so they are not exploited. It's quite a, quite a passage. <laughs> if you'll remember, for those that were in the service about a month ago, Neil Bester came and spoke in the evening service, and he also shared in the morning service. And he spoke about the promises of God. And I remember him clearly saying this. He said, the promises of God are statements of faith. Do you remember that? They are statements of faith. The promises of God are not, oh, we'll see if they'll happen. Uh-uh. The promises of God are yes and amen. Isaiah 55 says that when a word goes out of the Lord's mouth, it does not return back void to him. This passage of scripture that we've just read here, Ezekiel 34, guess who's speaking? Guess who's speaking? It's not a prophet on behalf of God. It's God himself going, I myself will look after my sheep. I will be a shepherd to them. I myself will get them plenty of rest. This is a promise from God. And guess who he fulfilled it through? Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. So this is a promise of God that he's going to be our shepherd. He's going to build up those who are weak. He's going to be a doctor to those that are injured. And can I tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, he was fulfilling that promise. Because then he gave us access to that which we had lost in the Garden of Eden. He redeemed for us something that we had lost. And that is personal relationship with Jesus, with God, Father, relationship with one another, I can tell you things got heated after Adam and Eve fell and the one was blaming the other. I'm married, I know. Those things get very complicated. <laughs> so can I tell you it got heated? Adam's blaming Eve, Eve's blaming Adam. But we lost something in the fall. And then God goes, I will go after the lost. And he does it through Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. How cool is that? <laughs> I like it when there's more to a movie or a story, when you think you've figured it out and it's just a different, different thought. So here's the different thing. Is the promise is still being fulfilled. The promise was fulfilled on the cross because Jesus died and he made a way for us. But the promise is still being fulfilled. And guess how it's being fulfilled? Every single day, through you and me and how we live for Jesus. Every single day, every single day, in your family, in your workspaces, in your varsity, in our society. Because can I tell you, when you live differently, people are drawn to the light and they want what you have. They want what you have. Salt, you know when there's salt in your food and you know the difference when there's not. Okay, so the first thing, 
is this is a promise that is still being fulfilled. It has been fulfilled and is still. How cool is that? It's been fulfilled through Jesus, but it's still being fulfilled through us that have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and live this day. So here's, I thought of it this morning when Pastor Louis said it. And can I say, he, he preached excellently this morning. I would really encourage you, if you weren't in the service this morning, to please go onto the YouTube and watch the sermon on One Heart for the Lost. He just gave a very good theological breakdown for why and what we believe. So I think it's good if you watch that. But I want to speak to your hearts this evening, and I want to say this. For me, if I think of Jesus saying, he came to seek and save that which is lost, okay? So we know we lost something in the garden, and he's come to seek and save that which has been lost, which is our relationship with God, relationship with one another, and also how we display the glory of the Lord in the world we live in. Then I'm very much aware that we need to understand what that means. What does it mean to seek? What does it mean to save? And what does it mean to be lost? So, to seek. Okay, to seek. What does it mean? I looked down the definition of seeking, and this is what it means. You've got some strong words, and I actually want to use those strong words tonight with the example that I gave you about my daughter playing hide and seek. But it says to hunt down, <laughs> to pursue, okay? To pursue, hunt down. Hunt down was the strongest word I saw in one of the definitions for seek, like to look for it. But what I did pick up in the definitions of seeking is that it was intentional. It's not something where you go, oh, I lost a coin, I'm going to have a seat till the coin decides to come back. No. It's something you do. It's something you are intentional about. And here's a question for me. How many of you are alert and awake to those around you that are lost? Well, you think about that for a moment. And it doesn't even have to be far away. It can be within your own family because you are the light within your family. And if you think of the vision of this church, it's God's kingdom in hearts, homes, and beyond. This little thing is beeping, yeah? Does it say I've got 15 minutes? I use it doing that on purpose. <laughs> God's vision, God's kingdom, sorry. The vision of our church is God's kingdom in hearts, your own heart. So as Jesus come and seek and save that which is lost inside of you, in your home and beyond because so many times we, for some people, it's easy to go save the people out there. But when it comes to our own family members, we like, oh, Lord, will you sort them out? Hey? And for others of us, we've been trusting God for years for those family members. But I, I love this Ezekiel scripture that says that I will strengthen the weak. And so just an encouragement for you tonight. If you've been trusting God for the same family member to get saved and they're still not saved, there's hope. Because his word has gone out. It will not return back void to him. Okay. So to seek. To be alert. To be on the lookout. Okay, so how do we do that? I'd like one of the guys to come and hold the clock for me, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Okay, so how do we do that? If you look at a clock, okay, let's say 
Maybe stand back so that they can see. Let's say 12 o'clock. So <laughs> let's say 12, let's say 12 o'clock is being born again. Okay, you with me? Everybody okay? Let's say 12 o'clock is being born again. Okay? But let's say someone is only at seven o'clock. That's far away, eh? It's pretty far. It's like how many hours still to go? It's like one, two, three, four, five. It's long. But let's say someone is at 5 to 12. And you are around them. Would you be able to discern and be alert in the spirit to know it is time? Because everybody has a clock. Everybody has a clock. So some people in your family might be at 6 o'clock. And you've been praying for years, but they still might be at six o'clock. And it calls for some patience and perseverance in prayer for you to continue to pray for them and to live well before them. Because it says the way we live and as we lift Jesus high in our lives, we draw men and women unto Jesus as we lift him up. So we're not putting the spotlight on ourselves. We're lifting Jesus high and he draws the women and men unto himself. So as you continue to faithfully obey God and live well before them, you don't know where that clock is ticking. You don't know where that clock is ticking. But I can tell you one thing. If you are walking closely to God, I can promise you this. His spirit is inside of you, and he'll give you the discernment to know that someone's at 5 to 12. But you have to be alert, and how do we do that? By spending time with God. The more time you spend time with God, the more time you spend with Him, the more you engage with Him, the more you'll be able to discern where people are at. Thank you so much, Stephen. Okay, so it's just a practical one for you. So my question to you is, how's your time, your quiet time, how's your devotional time, how's your relationship with God, because you cannot lead someone else to him if you are not in a good space with him. It's very difficult, very difficult. And how do we do that? We know the three basic, very important things, the uh, um, spiritual disciplines, reading your word, worshiping, fellowship with other believers. How are you doing in those areas? Hey? How are you doing in those areas? Okay, so seek, tell you a story of my little girl, she was three years old. And so, um, remember, I was just putting her to bed at night and she asked me about Jesus. She said, Mama, <laughs> she said this, Mama, if Jesus is a big, 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 ginormous God, how can he live in a mini me? So she asked that question and the Lord said, now. But that's because of my own relationship with the Lord. And he said, now. She asked the question. And I was able to explain to her how the dynamic works. And actually with the little kid, you just go, God's got superpowers. <laughs> so you explain the thing to her. But I tell you, that night, my daughter gave her heart to the Lord. Because the Lord, I, I remember clearly hearing him say, now. That's your window. She's three. <laughs> she was three. That was my window. And I can see, from that day, I can see the Lord's hand on her. 
and how she lives. And so it's for us to be alert. And how we are alert is discernment from God, but that comes from our own quiet time with the Lord. You cannot find the lost if you yourself are not in right standing with Jesus. Okay, so seek. Always to be aware, not passive. It's an alertness. So the people in your family, do you know where they're at? That you find out in your intimate times with God. He can reveal that to you. Promise you, he can tell you. And you can write their names down, and the Lord can speak to you of where they are and what you should pray for. So seek, not passive, but alert. Save is the next one. I've come to seek and save. What does it mean to save? We all know that. To redeem that which was lost. And Jesus made a way for us on the cross to be able to be in right standing with God and one another and to save that which was impossible for us to do on our own. His blood was shed so that we could be saved. But now here's the thing. How many of us think we can save people? That's what we want to do. We think we must save people. I love the way Pastor Louis put it this morning. We don't go out there to go save people. What we do is love people and we introduce them to the one who can save. Is that okay? Is that okay? Because you cannot save anyone, but we can introduce them to the one who saves, and that is Jesus. Do you remember, for those of you who are sitting in this auditorium, sorry if I sound out of breath, it's a little one sitting on my lungs. <laughs> um, do you remember when you were lost? And Jesus caught your attention. Do you remember that day? Hey? I see the heads nodding. Do you remember the day Jesus caught your attention and it felt like you were the only one in the room he was speaking to? Do you remember that? That he saved you. But how did he save you? Did he come to you and Bible bash you? Anybody? Did Jesus come to you and Bible bash you? Did he come to you and make you feel like the worst sinner? Of them all and then go come repent did he do that the day Jesus saved you do you remember that day he drew you with his love even though he was bringing correction and saying you can't live the way you're living anymore hey do you remember I see the faces going back down into time and that's what it is it's for us to introduce people to the one who can save. Because I can tell you this, Jesus will be much kinder than we can ever be, and we need him to teach us how to be kind. If I read some articles and some things, just in this week, reading the news, <laughs> I can tell you, we can get into a place of judgment very quickly and go, how can they even think of doing such a thing? And then I remember... <laughs> And I thank the Lord for reminding me this morning of that. And I want to repent before the Lord. Then I remember I'm judging people that are lost. But once upon a time, I was lost too. And if I was not born again, I'd probably make the same decisions they were. See, so when we introduce people to the one who can save, we don't judge. But we do know what it means to love in truth. We do know how to do that. But we do not put ourselves in a space where we can judge and go, oh, how can they do that? Because we quickly remember that if it wasn't for Jesus, 
we'd be doing the same thing. Okay. And then the last one is those who are lost. So what does this mean? What does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to, to be found even? And to say this to you, people know when they've done the wrong thing. There's, there's a conscience. We, we have a conscience as humans, we know. But when we are lost, it's almost an example of your sight has been taken away. You cannot see. And so you make decisions based on your own reality rather than God's perspective. And he's got a bigger perspective. And so the image I have in my head of someone that is lost and then found is someone that is blind and then can see. So if I ask you all to close your eyes, okay, close your eyes with me. Okay, you can't see a thing now, but you can hear my voice. And you probably don't know where I'm standing now. You've probably got an idea of where I'm standing. Okay? I want you to think, where am I standing? Okay? So you've got an idea in your head of where I'm standing. I want you to open your eyes and look at that spot where you think I am. Where were you looking? There. <laughs> Why? Because you thought I was standing there. And how many of us, when we were lost, thought God was a certain way and actually he wasn't? And people that have not come into the kingdom have a view of God too. But how we live in front of them opens the eyes of the blind. And we do that every day, with every choice, at varsity, at home. When your mom asks you to do the dishes for the hundredth time and you're going, if she asks me one more time. But okay, God, I, those giggles, it's the ones that are giggling that this is very relevant for, okay? If she asks me one more time, but then you do it anyway, and you do it as unto the Lord by honoring them. And he draws them to God. And so the world has a perspective because it's a fallen world. But that's okay because Jesus loves those he's died for, and he's died for everyone. But he gives them the choice to choose him. But let us not be a hindrance to that which God can do in someone's life by the way we live. We can reach the lost and discern where they are on the clock. And if they're at 5 to 12, then you tell them the gospel if that's what the Lord wants you to do. But maybe your lifestyle is reaching the lost just the way you live. That's how Jesus did it. He did it one person at a time. Yes, he preached to crowds, but he did it one person at a time, one interaction at a time. And the way he lived. Think of the Samaritan woman. Think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. No one liked him. He was hated. He was a tax collector. And Jesus goes, I'm staying at your house tonight. Hey? And so the way we live with people can win those to God that are lost. Can I ask you, 
to think of one person in your head now. Okay? I'm going to pray for us. That you think the Lord's laying on your heart tonight to actually intentionally pray for, to come to know him and to live well before that one person. Is it an aunt, an uncle, a family member? Is it your own husband or wife? Is it your children? Is it those at varsity? Who's the one person, just one person, just one person, that in this week you can intentionally be sold to and lied to so that they can want to know more about Jesus? Do you have that one person in your head, everybody? Okay, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to ask the Lord to help us to know and discern where they are and to live well before them this week. Okay. So, Father, we come before you and we thank you that you said, (laughs) you said in Ezekiel that you will be a shepherd of your sheep and that you will go after the lost and that you'll collect the strays, you'll doctor the injured, You'll build up the weak ones and you'll oversee the strong ones so that they're not exploited. And Father, I pray that, that where we are part of the, the promise being fulfilled, Lord, that we wouldn't take this thing lightly of having one heart for the lost, but that we would engage with you and catch your heart for the lost. And that we would not complicate it and, and make it so difficult for ourselves that we can't even reach the loss through the way we live. And so, Father, I pray for everyone in this room tonight that has a person in mind. I pray that you would give them discernment by their quiet times with you to discern where the person is at and whether the next step is to share the gospel, whether the next step is just to live well before them and to continue to pray for them. Father, but that we would be obedient to that which you ask of us to do so that we would not be a hindrance for people to come into the kingdom. Thank you so much that you were patient with each one of us who came to you in the end where you made a way for us. And I pray that in this week to come that we would be salt and light to the very person that you have highlighted in our minds so that as we lift you high, that they would be drawn to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. I'm going to hand over to Stephen. Oh, thank you so much for that word, Letitia. Um, so there's a outreach happening, a local outreach, on the 27th of April. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, it's a testimony, sorry, I'm just, it's a little fresh to me still, so <laughs> bear with me. Maybe, yeah, maybe you should, she knows it more than I do. So. <laughs> this is what happens when you have a preggy woman preach. Okay, so just to say, <laughs> she forgets what she's supposed to say in the end, but let me just say this. If you've never reached out, so, so for this week, the first step is that person that the Lord's highlighted to you. But if you'd like to, if this thing has caught your heart tonight of reaching the lost, 
you are most welcome. There is an outreach, okay? There's a previous outreach, but there is also outreaches that are taking place at the church that you can get involved with. The next outreach is the 25th of May, next week, Saturday, okay? So the next outreach is the 25th of May, and it's a prayer walk to Menlin again. And just to share a quick testimony of what happened, they've done an outreach there before, and what they felt to do was just to go to the Wimpy and buy coffee. And one of the waiters came to the team, and they actually prayed for the waiter. Little did they know that that waiter would go and fetch other waiters to get prayed for. And so there was a whole group of waiters being prayed for, and in the end, the manager was so impressed that he actually asked the team to come back and pray some more. You see, one person at a time. So if you'd like to get involved with any outreaches in the church, the next one is on the 25th of May. And the call to action is if you want to hear more about it, that you're welcome to email missions at hatfield.co.za. Okay, that's it.